0: Alright, we're going to have a contest this morning. Let's see who the first one that can turn their Bibles to Jude chapter 3. Alright, Jude has one chapter, y'all got it. So turn your Bibles to Jude, and we're going to look at verse 24 and 25 this morning. (laughs) As you're turning there, a 35-year-old man had never been married and he's having a conversation with his friend. His friend asks, why haven't you gotten married? The man said, I've dated several women that I really, really liked, but when I took them home to meet my parents, my mom didn't like any of them. Friend says, I've got a solution for you. Find a woman you really like and make sure she's just like your mother. About a month goes by, the friend meets up again. He said, did you find your future wife? Did your mom like her? The man answered with a huge frown. He said, Yes, she was great and she was just like my mom. He said, and You were right. My mom loved her. Friend said, Well, what's the problem? He says, My dad couldn't stand her. <laughs> just like his mom, huh? Amen. This morning, I want us to talk about one of the greatest four letter words ever put on paper. And that word is hope. Amen? Hope. Hope is vital to all of our endeavors. No matter what it is that we do, hope is vital to whatever it is. Amen? Every endeavor that we undertake, hope is vital. Hope is probably one of the most beautiful words in the entire world. And with that being said, hopelessness has to be one of the saddest. Let me give you an example. Say you were taking a cruise. And that cruise just happens to be on the most luxurious cruise liner ever built. It had the best food, the best rooms, the best entertainment. It had the best of everything. That is until we consider the destination. The ship's course is to sail out into the middle of the ocean, and once it's there, it will travel in an endless circle. It'll travel in the endless circle until it runs out of fuel, until all the food runs out and all the water runs out. At that point, the captain will then sink that ship. You see, when you're sailing around in an endless circle, In a meaningless circle with no hope, it doesn't matter how good the food was. It doesn't matter how great those rooms were. It doesn't matter how great that entertainment was. Amen? You see, the joy of the present cannot cancel the fact that there is no hope for the future. Amen? We need to understand that. The joys of the present cannot cancel the fact that there is no hope for the future. Now let's consider the opposite side. Say you were in the hospital with excruciating pain. The doctor comes in and he tells you, yes, you're going to be in pain for quite some time. It's going to hurt a lot. You're going to have to stay here in the hospital during that time, away from your home, away from your family but you're going to make a full recovery and be cured. Amen? That hope that the doctor gives you makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? You see, we can endure some pain. We can endure some suffering and some hardship as long as there's hope. Isn't that true? Long as there's hope, we can endure a lot. Amen? Now today, the sad truth is that most people, they don't have any hope. Why is that? Why do we see such hopelessness every time we turn on the news? Every time we read a newspaper, the headlines? We see a lot of hopelessness in this world, and the question is, why? And the answer is simple. It's because most don't have a Savior. Most of the people in this world, they don't have Jesus Christ. He is our hope. Not just our hope, but our blessed hope. They may have wealth, they may have power, they may have influence, they may have possessions, but they don't have hope apart from Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. They're on that ship. Just traveling in a meaningless circle with no hope. Walking through life with no direction. So for the born-again believer, if you're going through some trials, some hardships, some tribulation, if you're going through some heartache, in Jesus Christ, you have that blessed hope. And you're going to be all right. Amen. You're going to be all right. Let's pick up in Jude, skip down to verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. These two simple verses at the close of the book of Jude, this is the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. These two simple verses. Now, if we back up in the prior 23 verses of the book of Jude, we're going to see that God paints a a, a very, very dark picture around apostasy. Now, what is apostasy? Apostasy is the turning away... And the rejection of godly truth. Friend, our nation is in apostasy. Amen? God prophesies that there will be a great falling away from the truth. A great falling away from the standards and the truth of God's word in the end times. And it doesn't take long for us to just look around and see that that is unfolding before our very eyes today. Then God gives us these two wonderful verses. Amen. These beacons of light in the darkness. He places this rainbow of hope right above those storm clouds. For who? For me, for you, and every other born-again believer. Amen. Amen. These verses are for God's children. These are telling us and, and reinforcing that blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, this book declares to us, if you were born again, you can and you will be all right. Amen. Anybody ever know uh, Pastor Matty Brown? Everywhere he went, everything's going to be all right. That's what he said, every chance he got. Everything's going to be all right. This morning, I want to consider why. Let's think about why. Why is it going to be all right for God's children? And the first reason is because Jesus is sovereign. Amen? Amen. Verse 24, it says, Now to him who is able. Him who? Who is the Bible talking about here when it says, Now to him who is able? Who's him? Amen. It's Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And what about him? What, what is he saying here? What about him? Unto him who is what? Abel. He is able. That seems insignificant when we read here, but we need to understand exactly what this is saying. Jesus Christ is able. Think about that word, able. Then we see verse 25. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. All of these truths are speaking of Jesus Christ as our sovereign. Amen. They're describing his sovereignty. But what is sovereignty? What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus is king. He is a sovereign. That's what sovereign means. Sovereign means a king. So Jesus is a king. He is a sovereign. And we need to take it a little further when we refer to Christ. He is the only wise king. A king in which there is no rising up. A king in which no one can compare to. A king in which no one can ever attain above him. He is the king of kings. And it says here that he is completely able to do anything he wants, anything he needs to, anything he ought to, in complete complete perfection. Amen? That's what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus being able. Now, this is the key. Why we, as born-again believers, why we're going to be all right. Amen? Amen? No matter what we're going through. No matter what the circumstances are around us. Did Christ suffer? Unimaginable. So we need to understand that we're going to go through some suffering. We're not above Christ. But the difference is he is with us through that suffering. Amen. He is able. Everything's going to be all right. Not because we are able, it's because He is able. It's not even our responsibility, it is our response to His ability. Amen? It's not our responsibility, it's our response to His ability. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know about you, but i got a pretty vivid imagination, eh, amen? I can think about a lot of things. But God is telling us here that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. What is the power that works in us? God's Holy Spirit. It's His Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ Himself. It's not because we are able. It's because He is able and He abides in us. Amen? Amen. The Bible is jam-packed with references to Jesus' ability. If you ever get a chance, just go through a concordance. Look up all the verses about how Jesus is able. It's endless. Amen? I thought when I was first putting this uh, study to, to, together, this sermon together, I'd be able to, you know, to reference all of them, but let me, t- let me tell you no, something. It would take us a while. I'd have to pass out some Snickers because it's going to be a while. Amen? It's jam-packed with references to his ability. How he's able to save, how he's able to satisfy, how he is able to secure us. Amen? Praise God for the ability of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. He is able. Amen? Now, as I said before, there are times when we're going to encounter trials. We're going to go through some trouble. We're going to hit some hardships. We're going to experience some heartaches, amen? Many people ask, why doesn't God just remove it from me? Is he not able to do it? Oh, he's completely able. If that's his will, amen? That's That's what we need to understand. It has to be in his perfect will. You see, God does things according to his perfect plan, according to his perfect ways. We see things in a way that seems right to us, but we can't see all things. And we certainly don't know all things. Amen. Remember when I first took over this church as pastor, we had maybe eight people. Ten at the most. And I kept looking at the roof. Same roof from 1975 was, <laughs> was on the top of this church. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help us raise enough money to get this roof replaced. But it's in your hands. Amen. About six months later, he sent a hurricane up the east coast. You know how the hurricanes come up the east coast. We didn't get a direct hit, but it, we had a lot of wind. And it blew off. You no, know, a couple handfuls of shingles. And the insurance company just wrote us a check for a brand new roof. Amen. I was praying for God to send us money. And what's he send? He sends a hurricane. Amen. We don't see things the way God sees things. You see, he has the perfect vantage point. He's above all things. Amen. God can... And he does see from a perfect perspective. Amen. He knows the future. And he does what is best for us. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We hear a lot of people's opinions today, amen. We used to be able to turn on the news and and be informed, but today all you get is someone's opinion. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is destruction. Amen. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. We need to understand that God works on a much higher plane than we can even imagine. Amen. Let me give you a little illustration. In the Old Testament, back in the uh, book of Numbers, the children of Israel, they were plagued with fiery serpents, fiery snakes. Now, if I was there, I'd be running away screaming like a little girl because I don't like snakes. Amen. But they were plagued with these fiery snakes. Many of them had been bitten. And they prayed for God to take away the snakes. Please, Lord, take away these fiery serpents. But God didn't. Amen. Amen. That was not God's plan. And he kept those snakes there. He didn't remove those snakes like they prayed. What did he do? Instead, he tells Moses to make a brass snake and put it upon a, a pole. And everyone that looked upon that pole would be healed and would live. Amen? God chose not to remove the snakes as they prayed and as they asked. But he provided a different solution instead. One that was better for them. One that gave life. You see, if God would have answered their prayers, and he would have just simply removed those snakes, those people that had been bitten, what would happen to them? They would have died. You see, God sees on a much higher plane. And God provided salvation for them he gave them life and that brass snake upon that pole as they looked upon that and they were granted life you see that was a that was a foreshadow that was a picture a representation of Christ on Calvary's cross amen and many ask you know why doesn't God just destroy Satan Is he able to? Sure he is. And one day he will. But today God has chosen not to destroy Satan, but to what? Defeat Satan. Where? On an old rugged cross on Calvary's hill. Amen. Jesus Christ defeated Satan when he went to Calvary's cross and he overcame and was victorious over death, hell and the enemy Satan himself. Amen. You see Christianity is not a subtraction of problems. Amen. Too many believe that becoming a Christian that means we get rid of all of our problems. <laughs> Not what the Bible says. Amen? Being a Christian is not the subtraction of problems. It's the addition of God's almighty power to meet those problems. Amen? Christianity is not a subtraction problem. It's an addition problem. God has a purpose for every single one of us. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan already laid out for you and your life. Plain and simple. And God will make a way for you and for me on that path. Amen? You see, it's up to us to pray and ask God to reveal that path to us. You see, when God first called me to preach, I didn't want to see that path. I ran from God for a year. I said, Lord, you, you made a mistake. I was shy. I was an introvert. You don't want me to. There's no way you want me to speak in front of people. But I'll tell you something. That was the most miserable year of my life. Running from God's purpose for his plan for me. Last week, we talked about Augustine. Listen to what Augustine said. He said, God is an infinite circle. Whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. What is he saying there? Simply put, he's saying that there is never a place where God is not. Amen. God is everywhere, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. Amen. There is no place where God isn't, plain and simple. No matter what you're going through, God is in the midst of that problem. Amen. Amen. No matter the circumstances, no matter how dark it looks, God is in the midst of that problem with you. We need to understand that 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 trial, that tribulation, that hardship did not take God by surprise. It may have taken us by surprise. Sure. Sure. We may not have seen it coming. But it did not take God by surprise. He allowed it for a reason. But he's also right there in it with you. Amen. Psalm 147. Starting at verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. That is who these verses are talking about. To him who is able. The one who is mighty in power, whose understanding is infinite. When we're going through those hardships, we have to understand that he has a plan, a purpose for them. He's helping to mold us. He's helping to strengthen us in some way. Somehow. But he also wants us to know that he's right there in it with us. Amen. And everything's going to be all right. He is a God that knows and cares about us personally. He's going to provide, He will provide a way. He is that mighty sovereign that loves us dearly. He's the one who gave his life in exchange for ours. Something that we just, when you truly think about, it's uncomprehendable. We just need to understand that he is in complete control. And everything is going to be all right. Not because of what we've done, but simply because of who he is is. Amen.